This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Chinese government recently said all of those people have graduated from their re-education center. Have they? Where are they? Those people are ordinary Uyghurs and Kazakhs living in Xinjiang, the region in China's northwest that's about six times the size of New Zealand. And this is an excerpt from a new documentary called All Static and Noise. Directed by David Novak and produced by Janice Engelbert, it makes its world premiere in New Zealand on June 1st. Across Xinjiang, the United Nations and human rights groups estimate that since 2017, more than a million Muslims have been arbitrarily detained. China denies these accusations, saying that the camps are voluntary vocational and de-radicalization programs. I interviewed 300 Uyghurs. People trust me. It's part of my life. This is Voices with me, Kadambri Ragukumar. Here in Auckland, Rizwan Gul is an Uyghur woman who's lost all contact with her brother when he was detained over five years ago. I spoke to her in 2021 for Voices. I just can't imagine that his youth is taken away from him unjustly. It really, it really pains me. Everything has been taken away. And his wife, his son, and my mother, every one of us who really loves him. We really miss him. I caught up with Rizwan Gul a few days ago to find out if she'd been able to contact him since. Unfortunately and sadly, no. There has been no improvement, nothing happened. It's like all static, to be honest. Um, and in June 2020, and um, I had the last chance to talk to my mom. That's it. After that, she cut any communication with me. I assume that that is because of the fear uh, she she experienced because um, due to the uh, pressure from the local authorities. And also probably she was thinking that cutting off communication with me may help her to to somehow protect my brother. I don't know. I really don't know how to understand because for local authorities, what we have been hearing about the news that when you have, when you have a connection with overseas, you are targeted for arbitrary detention. Mm -hmm. So I think that puts fear in my mother. So since um, June, 2020, 
I haven't had any communication with my mom. I don't know how she's doing. I don't know where is my brother, if he is alive or not. This car is following us. More than five years on, Riz still hopes for news and that the world won't forget about Uyghurs. For now, she's looking forward to this world premiere of this powerful documentary, All Static and Noise, here at the Dock Edge Festival. At the age of 18, the film's protagonist, Johar, was forcibly separated from her father at Beijing Airport as they tried to leave for the United States. He was detained, she flew to the US, and has since become an activist and labour rights researcher in Washington. She's coming to New Zealand for the film festival, and with Novak and Engelbert, she'll meet with Uyghurs here. I've never been to New Zealand, so I'm very, very excited for this trip. And only starting from 2019 or late 2018, I've started involving myself with more Uyghur communities. And I also learned my mother tongue, the Uyghur language, after coming to the U.S. So it's it's a process for me to be more having this bond with my with my community, with my culture and with my language more and more throughout the years. And I'm very excited to because. Uyghurs around the world are different, you know, even though we're we're same ethnicity, it's the way we practice our culture, our religion are going to be different based on where we live and how we're influenced. So I'm very excited to new to meet this, you know, new group of Uyghurs uh, in New Zealand. <laughs> I actually have a mini tutorial kind of went viral on Twitter about teaching people how to pronounce the word Uyghur correctly. Um, so I can do a little tutorial now. It's Uyghur. And it's that Uyghur. So, you know, if, if you already know how to say it, thumbs up for you. So it's Uyghur. And according to Amnesty International, both inside and outside the camps, they're amongst the most heavily surveilled populations in the world. For Johar and many others featured in this film, it was really a question of putting their trust in the filmmakers. I was very curious to know how all of you together handle the aspect of safety of people involved in the making of the film. Got two key protagonists out of which you're one of them, Johar. How did you feel about the idea of your personal safety and that of your family as well in the making of, during the process of the making of the film? When I started my advocacy work, I basically didn't give myself a, what is it called? Like the like a plan B for retreat, uh, for, for, for going back and to stop doing what I'm doing. Basically, I only put one road ahead, which is keep marching forward. So only my only um, second thought was, are those people genuine? Is it worth doing this film with them? And I really appreciate Janice and Dave, David for doing a really good job in respecting people's boundaries. Um, I think that's really important because um, this film crew, All Static and Noise, is not the first film crew that reached out to me um, making documentary film, but it's the only one that I agreed with doing. In terms of being American and choosing a subject like this, there obviously would be a lot of eyebrows raised and questions, particularly about why wouldn't why wouldn't it be possible for someone mm -hmm. from within the community to tell their own story. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a very insightful question. Uh, right at the beginning of the process, Janice and I talked about it a few times. There are two things primarily that made me feel comfortable with it uh, and made me feel ethically grounded in it. One was that my first film, uh, which is called Burning the Future, Colon America, is a film that is very critical of 
the government of the United States, the energy policy in the United States. Uh, the second thing is that given, given the nature of the Chinese government and the way it mm -hmm. works, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, if not perhaps even a death sentence for somebody in China to be this filmmaker. And what we know now is that even if it's a Chinese person living in the diaspora, um, they could be putting family at risk. Given those two facts, um, I felt compelled to put together a piece where, okay, so the director and um, the producers are American because we, we have some access to funding to be able to do this. We want to bring this story in particular to the West. Also, there are no European or American voices in the film. And that was very, very important to me. The film's underscored by a sense of urgency, with stories of oppression, forced labor and torture, told through testimony from survivors of re-education camps and their families strewn across the world. Novak and Engelbert are delighted that the Dock Edge Festival accepted their film, given that China is New Zealand's biggest export market and the power it wields in the region. It was one of the, the several festivals that, that we applied to this spring. And for now, um, I'll say it's the only one that's accepting the film, which we find uh, very curious. What was that process like, Janice, as a producer for the film? I think that's the way it always is um, working with China. You just never know. It's like you're just looking for that little crack in the cement and, and you're going to run through there. And there's always people who are receptive because it's a real story. It's a horrible story. It's a tragic story. And that, when people listen, if they're open enough to doing it, they're outraged. So how can we not? Alex Lee has been the director of Dark Edge Festival since its inception in 2005. I, I think that there's potential for just about any film to rub up the wrong way against a particular community that may not share the same views in the film. Um, and certainly, if you're dealing with documentary, you're dealing with sensitive issues but don't we all need to have the opportunity to see these stories and make up our minds for ourselves? Because I think that the danger with um, where we are in communication, in the media, as well as with what I consider to be cancel culture and sometimes even the woke uh, culture that, that we've all been party of, is that we're told how to think. We are not given the opportunity to become independent people with independent minds film like Static and Noise, you know, would probably create some degree of uh, controversy. Dark Edge is an independent documentary film festival. The right of people to reach out and to be able to listen to and to understand what's going on in the world. We have to be, we have to be very fierce in our determination to protect that right. <laughs> In practical terms, what is it that you think can be achieved out of this film being watched and shared? Um, I think my main goal for this film will be for all viewers to be more aware, more educated, more informed of their choices and their options. And by what are those choices? For example, well, uh, Human Rights Advocacy Works just 
my side job. I'm full-time job is my full-time job is for a labor rights researcher. So every day I look at supply chain data. I evaluate how brands and companies send connections to forced labor, to labor rights violations. And my main focus of work is China, is the Uyghur region. And one goal I have is for consumers in New Zealand, viewers of they're all consumers, no matter rich or poor. And for them to know that they have the option to put their money to put in products that are not made by forced labor. I hope this film can reach to the government of New Zealand as well. And I hope policymakers can see and really realize how bad the situation is. And that just a little bit of information, I think it's very useful for people. A little bit uh, of a data, uh, I think it's very statistic that is very useful for people to know is that 84% of the cotton production of China is from the Uyghur region, and that is 22% of the global cotton output. And 95% of the um, uh, solar panel relies on one key material, which is uh, uh, solar grid polysilicon. And 40%, 45% of the world's polysilicon is made in the Uyghur region. 12% of the aluminum, which is a key material for building a car industry of the world, 12% is made in the Uyghur region. All these numbers are scary because that indicates how heavy the world is relying on China and how heavy they're relying on products that are very likely made by Uyghur forced labor and by import bans, by, uh, you know, export restrictions. The, such things can be avoided and consumers will have the right to put their money in things that are made ethically and with conscience. For context, New Zealand imports from China amount to about 16.26 billion. Here's Rizwan Gul again. New Zealand government has um, expressed their concerns about the human rights abuses in um, that region, right? But yeah. from my perspective, it's not enough. And New Zealand government has been staying there, just expressing their concerns for the last five years while our people are dying. So when I uh, heard that this documentary, All Static and the Noise, is going to be screened in New Zealand, I was happy. Um, having a film screening uh, screened in New Zealand, I mean, <laughs> I it may have some impact on New Zealand government, but New Zealand government, if they really care about human rights abuses, they should not only rely on a film that to be screened in New Zealand. They should fulfill their international obligations on protecting human rights. Take action. We know that um, New Zealand and China has very strong ties, but you should not sacrifice and compromise human rights, um, wild people's human rights, and while their lives have been impacted. I have I don't have contacts with anyone back home. Anyone, the the communication is completely lost. I I have already lost my family, and I am the only person for speaking up for them. So I will continue to speak. This is not difficult for me. Of course, it's emotionally can like you know trigger me to you know cry or being sad, but I'm happy to speak up because probably I am the only hope for them. Big thanks to Rizwan Gul, Johar, David Novak and Janice Engelbert for talking to me in this episode of Voices. 
The film All Static and Noise comes to the screen in New Zealand at the Dock Edge Festival on the 1st of June. You can also find it online after the festival. Today's episode of Voices was mixed by Jeremy Veal and my name is Kadambri Ragukumar. Each week I bring you stories from all around New Zealand featuring people from all around the world. If you like what you hear, follow us on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.